Hello, this is Representative Pam Powers Hanley. Welcome to my podcast, A View from the Left Side. For many years in the Arizona House, my seat was on the far left side of the chamber. As a progressive Democrat and one of the most independent representatives in the House, I always believed that that was a fitting seat for me. This podcast features in-depth interviews with newsmakers from all walks of life, as well as political and social commentary. Thanks for joining me on the left side today. Season 2, Episode 2 of A View from the Left Side is a collection of legislative updates from the first two weeks of the second session of the 55th Arizona Legislature. These brief clips represent a wide range of topics from the opening day COVID super spreader event and subsequent outbreak at the Capitol to food and housing security, prenatal care, and clean elections. These updates were recorded and published on social media in the early part of January 2022. AZ Ledge Opening Day Super Spreader Event Recorded January 10, 2022 It is opening day at the Arizona legislature, and usually opening day is full of festivities. There's lots of people out on the lawn, there's people in the hallway, there's food, there's protests. But this year, 2022, we are entering the third year of the COVID pandemic. So the pandemic and the latest Omicron variant of COVID-19 have put a little bit of damper on the festivities, at least for the Democrats and people who are health conscious. It was amazing to see the governor's speech today on the floor of the House. Now, I watched it from my office to be safe. Seriously, a year ago when I made this mask, I didn't think I was going to be wearing it today. One year later, I thought that Arizona would have learned its lessons regarding the pandemic and infection control. But no, the opening day festivities were a giant super spreader event with Governor Doug Ducey and all of the Republicans and their guests going maskless down on the floor of the House. There were so many people there all close together, all leaning on each other and kissing and hugging and Fine. Adults, if you want to choose freedom and expose yourself to disease knowingly and risk death, that's fine. You want to choose death, go ahead and choose death. Go ahead and choose risky behaviors. But there were children on the floor of the house today. Young children, mostly girls, beautiful dresses, too young to get a vaccine. Those little girls were without masks, and those parents put their children at risk by bringing them to the Arizona House today for Governor Doug Ducey, President Karen Fan, and Speaker Bowers' super spreader opening day. I took some pictures off of the TV set when I was watching the governor's speeches of all of the people standing up and cheering for school choice and cheering for tax cuts without their masks on. How many people will get COVID because of opening day of the Arizona legislature? Only time will tell. Unfortunately, the Arizona legislature doesn't have real contact tracing or real notification of infection or exposure. So we just have to look at the rumors and the guesses and the tweets to find out who's going to get sick from today. But people will get sick. This was 
one risky event. More to come. This is the first video of 2022. Ducey is ignoring COVID math. Recorded January 11, 2022. It's the second day of the legislative session. Yesterday was opening day, and Governor Doug Ducey gave his State of the State address. It was full of red meat applause lines for his Republican base, and I think that one of his best applause lines, or most popular one maybe, was when he said that the state should focus on math instead of on masks. The entire Republican caucus was maskless, so that got a big applause from them. But this video today is about math because I think that Governor Doug Ducey and the Republicans are ignoring math, particularly the math around the COVID-19 virus. This is the third year that the virus is raging worldwide and because of mask deniers, vaccine deniers, and risky behaviors, and the push to open up the economy too soon, force workers to go back to work when it's not safe. All these variables mean that the COVID Classic, COVID Delta, and COVID Omicron are raging across the world. And so we see cases going up, we see deaths going up, and Arizona is right there in the mix. Unlike a few other times in the last three years, we're not the worst in the world or the country, thank goodness, but we are in the mix and we need to pay attention to this virus. So total deaths from COVID for the state of Arizona, we've had almost 25,000 Arizonans have died from COVID in the last three years. Nationwide, more than 839,000 Americans have died from COVID. New deaths reported today in the state of Arizona, 213 deaths in the state of Arizona today. In the United States today, 1,656 deaths. COVID cases, in the state of Arizona, we've had 1.5 million COVID cases in the last three years. Nationwide, 62 million COVID cases. And that is up 204% in the last 14 days. Deaths are also up. Deaths are up 36%. Cases are up 204%. The issue here is, and I have a lot more data on my little sheet that I'll put in the, uh, in the notes. The issue is the virus is still with us. People are still dying. Hospitalizations are going up worldwide and particularly in the United States. It's not safe out there. COVID is not over. I am calling on leadership from Ducey instead of just applause lines. It's time to go back and pay attention to what's going on in this state rather than just pumping up the base. Let's get real. Let's embrace science. My focus is food and housing security. Recorded January 12, 2022. So this week, before the committees start, we have a flurry of activity as people run around the house and try to get other people to sign on to their bills and try to promote their bills. And so that's what I'm up to today. I am focusing again this year on social determinants of health, helping people in Arizona keep food on their table and a roof over their heads, and also on adverse childhood experiences. Arizona is one of the worst states in the country for adverse childhood experiences. 
issues. This would be like food insecurity, housing insecurity, and things like that. We need to protect our children. We need to protect our citizens in the state of Arizona, as far as I'm concerned. And we need to give them the freedom to thrive. Right now, the state has way too many policies that force people to live in poverty. And so I don't want to do that. Forcing people to live with sickness and poverty is not good for them. It's not good for their families. It's not good for the state. We all thrive when we all thrive is the way I look at it. So I am a proposing again this year to increase the amount for temporary assistance for needy families because again we're one of the stingiest states in the country so we should be giving people more money per month. We found out during the pandemic when people had more money in their pockets with the pandemic unemployment that they actually spent money and it helped our economy. For the people who don't care about helping the poor it's going to help our bottom line. How about that? The other thing that I'm proposing again is to increase the temporary assistance to needy families to the full five years. And so that gives people some time to dig themselves out of poverty because there are lots of facets to being in poverty. There are lots of reasons why people end up in poverty. And they say, instead of giving somebody a fish, give them a fishing pole. So with increasing TANF, we're giving them a fishing pole to get themselves up out of poverty. The other thing that I'm proposing again is my truth in renting bill. We have an affordable housing crisis in the state of Arizona, obviously. And when I first came here in 2017, you know, people came around and they were talking to me about different incentives for developers to build low-income housing or affordable housing. And I said, why do we have to make the developers richer just to help the poor? It seems like there should be other things we could do. Well, there are definitely lots of other things we could do besides giving incentives to encourage developers to build affordable housing. For example, I have a background in public health and in public health, we stress prevention. So how can we prevent homelessness? How can we prevent evictions? How can we help people keep that roof over their heads? With the truth in renting bill, I'm looking at transparency. I have rented an apartment every year that I've been in the legislature and I learned a lot about leases and the way the leases are written these days. There are so many little tricks. For example, on the apartment complex websites, sometimes they will give you the rent you don't always get the rent without paying an application fee. Now that stinks. They will give you the rent, but they don't tell you all the fees. You know, maybe you're renting a place and say, well, you know, $1,000 a month is a little high, but I think I can swing it. But then when you go to sign the lease, they've got $200 in unknown fees on top. I think you should know those fees in advance. It should be right there on their website. And if they're optional services, you should be able to get out of it. For example, one year I had to pay for ballet garbage and my apartment was like with 20 feet from the dumpster. I still had to pay to have somebody take it over there on a designated day. That was unnecessary. I also think that there are things that we could do with... Um, seniors to help keep them in their houses. There are programs to help seniors pay their taxes. For example, indigent seniors, if their taxes go up because of gentrification, let's help them stay in those houses that they've been living in forever. And knowing your lease. You know, you need to know what's in your lease. Some of these leases, they're like 40 pages long. One of the things that I've been seeing in there several times is even though medical marijuana and marijuana are legal in the state of Arizona, these apartment complexes that are national chains make it illegal to use any type of cannabis in your apartment. What if you're a cancer patient and you get diagnosed while you're living in this apartment? According to that lease, you cannot use medical marijuana in that apartment. And that is just another way for them to boot you out. 
the leases have too many tricks, the landlords have too much power, and I want to have the tenants have a little bit more power in what's going on. I'd also like to have the cities and towns have more power. We're looking at getting rid of some of the preemption bills that the state has passed in the past, and so a lot of changes. Stay safe. Many Arizona legislators, staff, and lobbyists test positive for COVID. Recorded January 13, 2022. It's technically the end of the week for legislators. Those of us like me who live outside of Maricopa County are getting ready to drive home. And tomorrow and Friday, I'll have meetings mostly online in Tucson. So we do work five days a week, but we are not always here five days a week. Today's message is a public health message because as you know, on Monday, we had a super spreader event for opening day. And last Friday, the Chamber of Commerce also had a big super spreader event in which most legislators were there. I wasn't there because I was still in Tucson. Anyway, so multiple super spreader events. And so now what are we seeing in the Arizona legislature? We're seeing multiple infections with COVID-19. Luckily, they have a testing site set up for us to go over and get tested. I know of three House Democrats who are tested positive for COVID and at least one Democratic senator who tested positive. There's a few assistants on both sides of the aisle that are testing positive. There are lobbyists who are testing positive, but there are still people in this building without masks on. And that part just drives me. We had a joint health committee meeting today. Everybody from the Senate and the House health committees in one big room. Luckily, you know, we were like every other seat, but there were some extra empty seats in there. But still, none of the Republicans, probably half of the lobbyists did not have masks on. This, when people are rushing over across the way to get tested. Wear a mask. Get vaccinated. People like me, triple vaxxed, are still getting the Omicron virus, but we're getting like a bad cold. People who are not vaccinated are going to die. They're also filling up the hospitals. Let's be smart about this. I have my cloth masks that I made that I'm still wearing. A lot of people say don't wear the cloth masks. I have two coffee filters inside of my cloth masks. I have a six layer mask. I just got tested for COVID-19. I am COVID negative and heading back for Tucson right now. Please be safe. Wear a mask. It's really not a big deal. Dirty Money Hates Clean Elections. Recorded January 19, 2022. Today's video is about clean elections. And the reason I'm talking about clean elections today is that I just finished doing a guest lecture for former Senator Kirsten Ingalls Law class. I have done a little mini lecture and Q&A session about clean elections in the past for her law class. They often talk about redistricting, campaign finance, and in addition to learning about running traditional, where you ask lots of people for lots of money, they have me come in and talk about clean elections. I have run for office three times and I've run clean all three times. I have beaten Democrats and Republicans at a clean elections candidate. And there are a few of us around in the legislature still who have been successful running clean. The problem is that the clean elections system has been under attack 
every year from the Republican Party because, first of all, they don't like the progressives, right? We have been way too vocal because we are not owned by anybody. We are owned by the voters. We're not owned by the money. We're not owned by the lobbyists. We're not owned by the special interest groups, and that's what the Republicans don't like. Big money hates clean money. Unfortunately, the clean election system has been hurt significantly over the years by all of these attacks, particularly attacks by Representative Leo Biasucci from Mojave County. I don't know what he's worried about. Does he think that one of those clean running candidates who are from the Democratic Party is actually going to beat him someday? Fingers crossed on that one. <laughs> but anyway, I digress a bit. The clean election system was created by the citizens of Arizona in 1998 to fight corruption in the legislature. I moved here 40 years ago and I very clearly remember the ASCAM scandal from the early 1990s where several state legislators were convicted or charged with bribery. Why did we come up with clean elections? The citizens came up with clean elections to take that pressure of money off of candidates and it worked for a while. They passed it in 1998. The clean election system does education, it runs the system, and it also did campaign finance enforcement. And it caught Democrats and Republicans in enforcement issues. I thought it was a very fair commission. What really hurt it was when the Republicans put Prop 306 on the ballot in 2018. Now this was misleading the voters. I fought hard against it. A few other people fought for clean elections, but the problem was that they misled the voters. Clean elections candidates already couldn't donate to a party. When we don't spend all of our money, we send it back to the state. That's how clean elections work. But Props 306 said that clean elections candidate couldn't buy any services from any political party, Republican or Democrat. And that really hurt us. There were a couple of times when the Democratic Party hired a field organizer to work on the LD9 races because that person did specific duties for me, I paid that person for those services rendered. I got a bill, it said who did the services and what they did and how many hours they spent and I paid that and I don't see anything wrong with that. So what really hurt the clean elections candidates in Prop 306 was that we could no longer buy access to a voter database. This was specifically allowed in the clean elections original statute, but now in order to do that, we have to go through a middle person to buy the ban access. So what you have is the fewer and fewer people running clean, not because they don't wanna run clean, but because they're afraid of the big money and they're afraid of the obstacles that are set into the system to make them fail. So what do we see? Since 2018, there's been a dramatic drop in the number of candidates running clean. When I did Kirsten Engel's law class a few years ago in 2018, it was almost evenly split between Republicans and Democrats running clean in the legislature, about 35 candidates each. And some of those clean candidates won. Big money doesn't always win. The guy, the Republican who ran against Randy Fries and I in 2020 had three times as much money as I did and I came out on top in that race amongst all the candidates. Big money doesn't always win. Clean money is popular with the voters. The voters know that they have a better government when votes control the government and not money. This brings us to Congress and to the Senate and to Kirsten Cinema. The state of Arizona is passing one after another voter suppression bill in the legislature. We're going to see more in 2022. 
We need election reform. Get rid of that freaking filibuster and save the state. Come on, Kirsten Cinema. You used to be in the legislature. You know how crazy they are down here. Save us. Get rid of the filibuster and pass campaign and election reform. Save voting rights. Group prenatal care would benefit moms and babies. Recorded January 20, 2022. Often, I am accused of giving you guys only bad news in my videos, but today I have some good news. I am back on the Health and Human Services Committee, which is exciting for me. I was off for a year, but now back on as ranking member. I will be giving you some health news in my videos this year, in addition to more news about taxes and tax giveaways, since I am still on the Ways and Means Committee. I have good news today about a bill that you might want to give a thumbs up to on the Request to Speak system. And this is HB 2230. This is for group prenatal care. I had experiences with group prenatal care when I had my first daughter. I went to a naturopath and the naturopath was in a group practice with another naturopath and they had what they called childbirth classes. The women who were expecting to have a baby within maybe a three month period were a cohort for these group classes. And so there was maybe eight or so women in the group that I was in. We met once a week. We learned about diet and nutrition and exercise and what to do or not do when you're pregnant. We also exercise together. There were a few of us who used to go swimming laps in the morning. And since this was a time well before social media, when somebody didn't show up for swimming, we're like, oh, she had her baby. Yay. And so this cohort was really a community for me. I was 30 years old. I had a college degree. I had already had a career. I was excited to be pregnant, but I really didn't know anything about it. The classes helped educate me and it built a community. These women were my friends. Like, like I said, we went swimming together, we went walking together, we talked with each other on the phone, we had these group classes once a week. As we got closer to childbirth, our partners joined us in these classes and it was good for the fathers to be in there too. And then after childbirth, we stuck together. We had play dates when our kids were babies, we went to La Leche League classes together to learn how to do breastfeeding, we talked to each other about how, what we were going to name our babies. Group prenatal care, I think would be a fantastic thing for moms and babies in the state of Arizona. This particular bill, 2230, offers a grant program to doctors who want to set up these types of classes. It'll give them ideas on what to include in the classes and how to manage them and things like that. But I found this very valuable to me when I was a young mom, and I am wholeheartedly in support of 2230. If you're on RTS, give it a thumbs up. It will be coming up in the Health and Human Services Committee in the future.